And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and we are back for another episode of 1% Better. We didn't plan on doing these every week this time of year, but shit happens. Sometimes a lot of it. And... (laughs) Sometimes it's not what they do, but what they say. In this case, here from the NFL owners' meetings in Palm Beach, the latter is the case. Uh, there's been a lot happening here, and we've learned a lot of information, I guess, as opposed to a lot happening. Uh, so Zach and I are down here in Palm Beach. It's sunny. There are palm trees. It's everything you would imagine. Uh, we are not, by the way, staying at the Breakers Hotel. <laughs> I wish. Can, can, Zach, can you just do me a favor and like give them like ten seconds of flavor about the Breakers Hotel? Like, tell them what they're missing. It's absurd. I mean, we we looked up just for fun what it would cost to stay there, and it's like ten thousand dollars for like a night on the weekend. So uh, we're at the Fairfield. We're, <laughs> we're making we're making do, but uh, it is a different slice of life. That's for sure. That the NFL owners, the coaches, and the GMs got to enjoy this week down in Palm Beach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have been put appropriately in my place. Yes, um, I, I understand my standing in the world a little better after this week. So anyway, um, <clears throat> but I'm not complaining. I got I got a palm tree outside my window, man. So I, I'm, I'm winning. So anyway, that's not what you're here for. You guys want to know about these conversations we've had this week. There have been a lot of them. We've talked to the entire Colts brass. Jim Marseille. Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and I think this is always, and Zach and I have come to these for a few years, this is always, I think, the most revealing, or one of at least, the most revealing uh, periods we have of the entire year covering this team, this Colts team. And and I think that this year, for sure, I think was no different. In fact, it was ever more true this year. So let's just start with, I thought yesterday we spent uh, almost an hour in Jim Mercy's suite a uh, handful of local media uh, talking to him about just about everything that's happened over the past year. Uh, he's candid as usual because he doesn't know any other way. But I, I would start. I want to start Zach with like a very, very, very macro takeaway, and it's not about Carson Wentz or about free agency or anything. It, it's more just about like how freaking angry he has been. He's been stewing, and and I think he still seems like he's stewing a little bit and. And I thought we got such a vivid picture of his level of anger and frustration over the past several months. I mean, he he revealed some things to us we didn't know. Did that hit you the way it hit me? It did. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because we had three conversations this week. We talked to Frank Reich on Monday morning. And Frank is very polished and, and he explained things in a very matter-of-fact way. We talked to Chris Ballard later that day. And there was a little bit more that he filled in about what's been going on behind the scenes. And then it's a different level when we sat in Jim Irsay's suite yesterday at the Breakers. And I'm telling you, 
open anger coming out of him when he would talk about this Jacksonville game. The, the Raiders game was one level. And then when he started to really go back and take himself back to that Sunday in Jacksonville, there was anger pouring out of him. And you guys read the quotes, and we'll get into that in a minute. He said he's never seen anything like it in his entire life. And, and these are things we've been telling you guys for a couple of months that, that he did not, this did not sit well with him. And I thought some of, the, some of the quotes were very, very telling. The one that jumped out to me right away, and I even interrupted him to ask again. He said, Jacksonville was not an accident. And I said, wait, 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 it was not an accident. Jacksonville told him something. It told him that something was very, very wrong. And it started with Carson Wentz, and, and we got into that at length. But he's not past that loss, and he's not past the fact that they can't get past the Titans in the AFC South. And and he doesn't hold back, and he kept it real. And that's all we ask. We just want to know what's really going on. And he sort of opened up the curtain, and this is what I wrote about. This was one of the more challenging seasons he's had personally in several years. And this is a guy that lost a quarterback in, in 2019 he thought was going to be here for 10 years. So this season challenged him, the 0-3 start, the quarterback questions, and then the way it historically fell apart. I can't emphasize how shocked and disappointed I was. I don't have the words to describe the level of that letdown. I've never seen it in my life. Um and, and his face was reddening. His emotion was evident. And it was very obvious how much that angered him. And then the conversations he had with players after the season, these are Ursay's words. He said something was very wrong. And, and that's why they're here. That's why they're here where they are right now with a different quarterback. Yeah. And the reason I brought up, the reason I started really with this topic of, of Jim Ursay's anger is because for as much as people make fun of him, and I get it, he's an easy target. Like, I get that. Uh, he's eccentric. He's all. He's a lot of things, right? But for as much as people make those jokes and, and shed light on that stuff, he generally is pretty even-keeled in terms of the, the criticism of his team, right? He doesn't just, like, throw grenades. <laughs> he just doesn't do that. Yeah, and he doesn't interfere. He really doesn't interfere no, a lot. he certainly doesn't. And and I don't know that he necessarily interfered as much as like he just expressed himself at a level that I am not used to seeing him express himself, both with us publicly and internally. You know, I, I've not heard stuff like this very often about him I, as much as he is, as I said, might wear his emotions on his sleeve and all of these things. Uh, he's generally he wants to see the best in everything, especially his team. And so. For him to, to sit here and say, I don't know what this is. I don't know who we are. What are we doing? You're getting your ass kicked against Tennessee in our division. This, this has got to stop. I mean, like, th this is not a Jim Irsay that I think – I want to make a distinction. This is not the same Jim Irsay that I am used to seeing. I, I think it's a very important point. And I think it, it undermines, I think – or underscores, I should say – just how critical a time this is for them. You know, I think they have a chance to like turn it around. I think I think they have a chance to be fine. I don't know how good, but like good enough, I think. But but they still got to do it, right? And and I think this is a very pivotal time. You know, no one's been threatened with firings or anything like that, but like the expectations pretty clear. Like this can't happen again. This cannot happen again. And this isn't just about Carson Wentz, and we were about to get on Carson Wentz, trust me. But I think I think it's also bigger than that. 
You know, it's a it's a moment like the trajectory of the team, I think, is is what is is what is most important here. You know what I mean? Like, is that am I oversimplifying it or do you think that? No. And, and, and this wasn't the, the headline stirring moment of our interview yesterday with Jim Ursa, But this was really surprising to me. And this stood out was he was on a long rant about what was going wrong. And he said, look, guys, I don't run away from this stuff. Three weeks into the season, we start 0-3. We lose in Tennessee in week three. I call every single coach and every single scout that's in the building into the building, and he just ripped into them and said, do you guys like being dominated? Do you guys like getting your ass kicked? Don't tell me it's going to get better. Don't tell me we'll win the next one. And he just destroyed them. That's how angry he was. He's so tired of these slow starts. And then Jacksonville and Las Vegas obviously took it to a different level. But this is an owner who's tired of mediocre. He's just he's just tired of running in circles. And I think... And, and you kind of hit on it. Like Jim Irsay gets a lot of flack. And, and, and the one thing I'll say, the one thing I say that I know is 100% true, the passion is real. He cares deeply about this team. And 100%. he wasn't willing to just run it back and hope for better in 2022. He just was not. And this was an interesting quote he gave. You search for the right chemistry with any team, right? Football is as important a sport as there is in that regard. If the chemistry is off, if it isn't there, it can be extremely detrimental and lower the performance to a degree that is stunning and shocking. Stunning and shocking are the words he's used several times to, de- to describe Jacksonville. That's a comment about Carson Wentz without saying Carson Wentz's name. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it, and we've had trouble explaining sort of why they moved on from Carson Wentz, this lack of leadership, this mm-hmm. intangible quality that he didn't have. But Ursay kind of hit on it right there. He just didn't feel like Wentz was the right fit, the right chemistry. He doesn't think he's a bad guy. He just doesn't think he's the alpha quarterback the Colts need. And he made it very clear to his decision makers after the season that you need to find a new quarterback. And so that's a great segue because that's what I was going to hit on next was that I think we got, a, I think, a clearer picture that with Wentz, it wasn't just about the vaccination or any of that, like those were issues too. Okay. Let me be clear. Like Jim Ursay was irate about the vaccination issue. There's no question. Right. I think it, I think that created questions about leadership and all that. But, but even if you, even if you disagree on that and, and fine, people can have different positions. That's, we're not going to have that conversation today. Okay. Like no, at all. We're not. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> like, no. Uh, but anyway, I think, Take that out of it. And I still think for them it was clear cut. You know what I mean? This wasn't about leadership in and of itself. This wasn't about vaccination. This was about even just between the lines. Yes. The issues were clear. And we heard that somewhere else this week as well. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to get to. I I think Chris Ballard was, was, I thought, pretty, pretty forceful in his comments without like dragging Carson Wentz through the mud. I thought he still did a skillful job. Of, of telling us what the problem was. You know what I mean? And and I think between him and, and Jim Mercer, I think you come away with a pretty clear picture that, okay, you can take all the all the extra stuff out of it, all the like intangible things that are hard to like explain in a, in an article, you know, that we've both been like struggling to kind of yeah. convey. <laughs> you can take all that out and still it's what happened between the lines wasn't good enough. And I think you tell me, if you agree with this, I think the most telling thing is what they heard from teammates. 
Yes. And I've been saying this um, for about a month. Everyone's like, oh, this is just Ursay making a rash decision. Ursay hates Carson Wentz. It wasn't just Ursay. I've been telling you guys this. You've been saying this as well. It was not just Jim Ursay. And this was solidified this week. Now, Jim Ursay did say he sat down with some of his veteran players after the season. And these are Jim Ursay's words. He said what he learned was very concerning. That, oh my God, there's something wrong here and needs to be corrected. Now, to be fair, I know there are guys who love playing with Carson. I know that for a fact. There are guys who weren't big fans of him. It's just how it happened. It's just how it plays out. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He just didn't connect with everybody. That's the reality. Some guys have that skill, that talent, whatever you want to call it. It didn't feel like Carson had that, and it felt like Jim Irsay learned that from his players when he talked to them after the season. And that further solidified it. And and I think we've I think it's fair to say that Frank Reich would have run it back with Carson. I think it's, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but mm-hmm. if you're the head coach, like not knowing there's a plan B, like yeah, let's run it back with him. My biggest, think, but just to just yeah. to just to interject, I think, and I've talked to Frank like a lot, okay, and I'm telling, you, I think that was his. It was the fear of the unknown for Frank, which is understandable because right. like Frank but, said but this week, there was no Matt a, Ryan out there. That's also not an endorsement of Carson, though. Correct, you know. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And Frank's like, well, what are we going to do? And that's a totally fair right. question. My question all along, and I've talked to Chris Ballard about this, but I really wanted to nail it down. Where did he fall in line? Right? Where did mm-hmm. he come down on this? Because we know where Ursay was, and we know where Frank was. Where was Ballard? And I think Ballard solidified it. One, he was the one who made the trade, and he wasn't sold. He was not sold. He leaned a little bit more towards Jim Ursay's camp. Now, Ballard, like Frank, is a solution guy, right? He has to find the answer. And there was no right. answer. And you made this very clear. I think on Monday after we talked to both Frank and Chris, it was like they didn't have this master plan. They were just like, well, we're going to move on from Carson and try to be patient and see what happens. But both Frank and Chris openly admitted that they didn't have this rabbit under the hat. They didn't have something up their sleeve the whole time. And I think they got lucky, and that's what I wrote. I think they know that they got lucky when Matt Ryan became available. But one of the most things, one of the most interesting things I took away from this week was that Chris was leaning towards this is not the answer on the field or off the field, and they had to move away from him. Ursay was convinced. I think Ballard eventually got there, and he did yeah. make the decision to move on from him. Yeah. So perfect, perfect point there. And I think let's let's solidify that with his own words from Chris Ballard. Uh, on Monday afternoon, he told us, he said, you know, we, we asked, hey, what was the conversation like? OK, when this was discussed, what do you do with this guy? And he said that was a good debate that went back and forth. Look, Carson was productive for us. He had 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. But my job is to look not only at the short term, but also the long term implications. And I think sometimes you hang on because you made a move and you don't want the world to see you in a negative viewpoint. At the end of the day, I'm a steward for the organization. Et cetera, et cetera. And I think what that says to me is he looked in the mirror and said, OK, what's best for the Colts? I got to do the best thing for the Colts because that's my job. And he decided the best thing for the Colts was this guy's got to go. And and I think that was you don't make that move because a guy is not the right guy in the locker room or he didn't get vaccinated. That's that's about performance. It's mostly about performance. And, and I think like. Jim Mercer, Chris Ballard talks to a lot of players too. And I think there was there was one veteran player in particular, and we won't name him because some of this was in confidence, but there was one veteran player, and you remember this conversation, Zach, who I think shed a lot of light on things 
for Chris Ballard in terms of like missed opportunities and and things of that nature. Correct. And I think that that player's version of events, I think, did carry a lot of weight with Chris Ballard. It's not like the one thing that mattered. It's not the the foremost thing that drove him to the decision. But I think when you hear that and it backs up what you saw and what you thought was happening, like you said about Jamerce's conversations, I think that really gets you over the finish line when you're trying to make a decision. There's no question about it. I'm not sure if you hear that, you can run it back. I'm not sure you can come yeah. back from that. This this player's words carry a so lot many of trust. And I think yeah. I think so, both things can be true. And and I get a, a lot of this and I hear a lot of this like Chris Ballard deserves criticism for the Carson Wentz trade last year. Jim Mersey does. Frank Reich does. They missed. There were signs in Philadelphia that he was on the decline and that he wasn't the same player. Now, I don't think it was a terrible move, but but it didn't work out and they deserve criticism. That's one part of the equation. But what Ballard just said is really important. You don't just keep it going to save face or to make yourself look better as opposed to just cutting bait and taking the criticism, right? I think both things can be true. I think last year they deserved the criticism for the move. It didn't work out. It cost them in a huge way. But this year, they've handled it really well. They have cleaned up their their mess in a very impressive way, in my opinion. What they got from the commanders for Carson Wentz is stunning to me. It is still stunning to me. I reported a month ago that they were going to cut Carson Wentz and eat the $15 million. They were willing to do that. People were like, no way. They were never going to do that. Jim Mercer said out loud they were willing to do that yesterday. So that's how much they I were willing to too. move on from him. So they were going to eat financial cost to move on from him instead the commanders are paying his full $28 million salary. The Colts got two-thirds. They move up five spots in the second, and they can get a second next year if he plays most of the season. That matters because what are the Colts going to do next year? They're probably going to draft a quarterback. And if you have two seconds, that maybe gets you in the first. We'll see what the class looks like. But um, they did a good job of cleaning up their mess this year. That doesn't excuse the criticism and what it cost them in 2021 because it cost them dearly. But I think there's something to be said for making sure what happened in 2021 doesn't repeat itself in 2022. And and Ursay stepped in and said, listen, Chris, Chris was waffling, right? He wanted to give the Falcons a fourth rounder for Matt Ryan. He didn't want to go to a third. Ursay called him. They talked late one night. And he said, I think quarterbacks are worth 35 to 45% of your competitiveness. I don't know where he got that number. Ursay's been in this yeah. league 50 years. I thought it was But I don't think it's like wrong either. <laughs> Colts fans know. They watched it. Yeah. They've seen both ends of the spectrum in the last 10 years. Um, and Ursay essentially said, get this done, man. Get this done. Ballard sent them the second, third round pick. And they have Matt Ryan. And they're moving on. And, and this was a telling quote. Ursay said, I just thank the football gods. From where we are right now to where we were, you know, before we landed Matt Ryan. Whew. That's, um, he's a happy owner. Let's just say that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So in our jobs, okay, so a little insight. In our jobs, like sometimes we think we know a lot of things. But thinking I know it and being able to come on this podcast and tell you it as fact or write it in a story is not the same thing, right? I mean, there's lots of things I am pretty sure about, and I'm never going to tell you unless I can, you know, confidently tell you. Right. We're I not going to just it. throw I, out rumors that yeah. we hear about free agents. It's just not right. how we do things. And so my point is, that's why this week, like for us, it's like you exhale because it's like we knew this stuff. In some cases, we wrote it. We've been telling you. And then when they say it, it's like, Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, it's, you. It's kind of like like we had 85, 90% of it, you know? And yeah. then they fill in that last 10 to 15%. It kind of just fo- forms the yeah. full story. And this is right or wrong. Whether this move is right or wrong, at least we can tell you what the team is thinking and why the, they made the decisions they made. Yeah. And so I, I think – I know we spent a lot of time talking about Carson Wentz over the past year. Guys, probably sick of it, but uh, <laughs> ready to turn the page. But but I do think this week was important to like close that chapter, right? Because it was so uh, it, it, we can move on from it and like turn the page. But like it had a very profound effect because I'm not saying they wasted a year, but like it definitely it it definitely impacted their trajectory and their progress, and and certainly the the first round pick is an impact, right? So like so I think it's worth recapping and and talking about it and you mentioned just now the fact that like they can both have made a good decision on matt ryan and also made a terrible one with carson Wentz. but i I think it's worth going back like because that was the thing that chris ballard said i asked him very bluntly yeah would you do it over again you did and i didn't know how he would answer that and to his credit he was pretty direct he said you know you know given everything we knew at the time, I got the sense that he'd do it again. You know, 
what was the quote? He said, uh, no, I'm not finding it right now. But the point is, you know, they, I think they, they feel like, or felt, I should say, like, well, they had, a, they had familiarity with Carson Wentz. I get that. Uh, they were they were certainly worried about their ability uh, to to ascertain a pick high enough to get the right quarterback. You you can't count on a quarterback falling, right? I mean, when Chris talks about being a steward of the organization, that cuts both ways, right? Right. Like, being a steward means like, okay, I don't want to give up resources, but also I I don't want to put my team out there with a shitty quarterback, <laughs> you know and and if you don't get a guy, that's what you're going to end up with, right? So that's, I mean, look, there's a reason, you know, these guys make seven figure salaries, you know, and it's because it's hard. And if everyone could do it, then we'd all be doing that and making that kind of money. So, uh, so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I do think that it's, it's worth looking back on. Like I under, I still to this day understand why they did it. I do. I get it. I understand why they did it. It didn't work out. They were wrong. And and I think that's okay because like when they made the move, no one told you this is a slam dunk, guys. No, no, no one said that because it wasn't true. So I you know I guess what I'm saying is it's not surprising we're here. Maybe when you think of it through that lens, certainly I'm, I'm surprised that it that it went the way it did. I didn't know if it would work, but I didn't think it would blow up in this fashion. <laughs> but certainly but not they, in mid December. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they did think this could be a long term a long term solution, or it had the potential to be one. And remember, that was the thinking when they did this, because I think I've gotten a lot of reactions saying, "Well, what's up with all the short term moves? You're never going to get anywhere like this." And I think that's fair. Like that's really really fair. But Carson Wentz was never intended to be a yeah, short term. Yeah, he was a, a four year move. You know. Yeah, and here we are a year later. So it's as I said earlier, though this is a really pivotal time for them and let me ask you this do how can you square jim ursay's passion and anger and all the sentiment that he expressed can you square that with also on the other hand his support for chris ballard and frank reich and i thought he was very complimentary of them in the job that they dunk and i and let's be honest i asked him point blank i said look I, i know that no one's suggested anyone's getting fired around here, but like at the same time, you know, you're demanding. What do you think about the job these guys have done? Yeah, you asked him I thought, very bluntly. Yeah, and and he he did not. Uh, I thought he offered a lot of support for the job that they have done. Uh, can you? What do you think about those two competing like notions? You know what I'm saying? Like his his fiery anger and yelling and getting your ass kicked and then saying, no, they're doing a great job. So like, can those two things coexist? Yeah, I think they can. That's a really interesting layer here because I've gotten a lot of, you know, Ursay made a rash decision and this was just, he made this mm-hmm. in the second quarter in Jacksonville and he wanted cars gone and it got personal. To that, I would say, listen, this guy, he really, really does know football and he knows how this works. He's been in this league a long time. And he's not his father. He's not Bob Ursay. And I've been getting those tweets. He's becoming his old man. I don't buy that. And here's why. From those I've talked to, listen, he had the meeting with Frank and Chris after the season. And he basically told them this is unacceptable. And in the following days, they were very clear that they're going to move on from Carson Wentz. Internally, that was the understanding. But what he did further was he sat down with the players and he listened to them. Players know. Like when Ballard says this, he's right. Players Mm -hmm. know. They know who's real. They know who deserves the contract they got. They know who doesn't. 
They know in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line who they can believe in and who they can't. And the players told Jim Irsay things that, in his words, were very concerning, things that need to be corrected. That matters. He listened to the players, and I think that's a very important step. And then what did they do? And this is really important. So if you lay this down on Ballard and Reich and say, all right, guys, we're moving off of our quarterback who threw 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and won nine games and almost got us the playoffs – He didn't force them to make the next move. He got out of the way and said, be patient. I think that's a measured approach that needs to be mentioned here because he put them in a bad spot. Let's be honest. He put them in a very difficult spot. They had to move off from a quarterback. There was no plan B. There was no guy waiting in the wings. And they looked into Jimmy G. They never really loved him. The shoulder was a concern. Baker Mayfield was never going to happen. You know, they, they thought about Jameis Winston. They looked at everybody, right? They looked at Jameis Winston. Jameis was a real option. Yeah, they thought about Marcus Mariota. And one little thing Ursay mentioned yesterday, they considered, in his words, a young quarterback that would have acquired two first-round picks. It would have been a trade. He didn't tell us who. But I think that speaks to the fact that they were willing to look at everything, to look at everything, to spend big, to give up some draft capital. And the interesting thing is, and talking to Chris Ballard throughout this process and then talking to Jim Mersey yesterday, you know, they stayed patient. And, and, and he said, you know, his his it was like a long, dark tunnel at one point. And for those fans out there that were wondering, what the hell are they doing? Do they have a plan? And for those of us in the media wondering, what are they going to do? Like, this doesn't look good. Um, I think you can be both. I think you can be mad and not accept what happened at the end of the season, which clearly is one side of this for Jim Mersey. But also... This is what your job is, Chris Ballard. This is what your job is, Frank Reich. I hired you to figure these situations out, hard as they are. And this is the last quote of my story from today. But this is what Jim Irsay said. This business calls for you to be at your best when it's tough. And it's been really tough for the Colts the last couple of years. Three quarterback searches in the last three off seasons led them to Phillip Rivers, led them to Carson Wentz, led them to Matt Ryan. It's exhausting. I mean, Chris Ballard said, I'm like, I'm like Captain Ahab chosen Moby Dick. I mean, we, we're we doing the same yeah. thing, following this. The fans out there are living year to year with new quarterbacks. Everybody's exhausted. But I think Jim Mercer can mix the displeasure of how the season ended and step in and be like, this is BS. This is not happening again. This needs to change. And then secondly, give his, time, give his guys the space and the time they need to do their job. And I think both can be true. But listen, he, he is what he is. And he's passionate, and he and he pulled back the curtain yesterday. But I think both things can be true for an owner who's had more of a say lately because he's so pissed off that they can't win the division, that they can't get back to the playoffs, that they can't figure out the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think perfectly said. So you said something there about you know going year to year and and this sort of you know the stress of these these quarterback changes and so forth. And and I think along those lines, something I wanted to add here is changing gears a little bit is I have gotten from Frank Reich and I think Chris Ballard to, to an extent as well, certainly Jim Mercer, uh, they have a, a level of comfort with Matt Ryan that I, I don't think I've sensed from any of these recent quarterback situations. Certainly not Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers, you still had to be concerned about his recent play, his age. Like, they said like the age. The age was a concern. Like they it knew he was, was on the tail end. Yeah. And then 
Carson, we, as we just described, right? That was that was a calculated risk, and no one said otherwise. This feels different, and I I sense an optimism from Frank Reich. I get it; he's ever the optimist. I sensed relief. Did you? Yes, yes. In fact, that is what I have written down in my notes. I said Frank Reich is relieved. Most optimistic I've seen him. Uh, so I, I think that reflects very well on Matt Ryan. Again, they could be wrong. They've been wrong before, right? But I think this is a better... I think this this optimism is is better supported by the facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, did you sense it too? Yeah. I, I, the relief you're talking about? How, what'd you see? And I hate to overreact to press conferences, but when we talked to Matt Ryan the first time last week, I texted someone in the building and they just said, He's a real dude. Like he's just mm-hmm. he's just that guy. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Matt Ryan's going to work out. I don't freaking know. We were talking about Carson Wentz a year ago saying this could work out. We don't know. That's the fun part of this job, of this business, of this league. But he's going to fit in well. And, and these are the things that that add up for Matt Ryan that, that, that piqued my interest and that sold me that this could be the right fit. Who did he call before he before he met with the Colts? <laughs> he went out and did his homework. Sure. He went out his homework. He called Peyton Manning. Peyton wanted this to happen. That was an interesting thing we learned this week. Peyton wanted it for Matt Ryan, and he wanted it for Frank Reich and the Colts. He also called Philip Rivers, who stayed in touch with Frank Reich. And I mean, we love Philip Rivers. I mean, I just wish we got to know him better when he was in Indy that one season. But um, Matt Ryan did his homework. And this Zoom call they did on that Saturday was three hours long. And Matt Ryan was really impressed with Chris's vision for how he builds the roster and how he holds himself accountable. And Chris has screwed up a couple times the last couple of years, and I think he owned up for that. And then Frank wanted to show a bunch of cut-ups of the offense and say, all right, Matt, what are you thinking here? What do you like here? And they talked ball for about an hour. Um, I think it's going to be like Phillip Rivers, only this guy isn't physically as much in decline as Rivers was when he was in Indy. Um, I think it could be a good fit. I still think they need to add a veteran receiver. I'm going to die on that hill because I don't know if they will. But um, it just seems like it's it's going to be a really smooth transition, like stunningly smooth. And the word I just kept coming back to on Monday was they got lucky and they know it. Yeah. Look, look I mean, do you remember those comments that we saw reported supposedly uh, after the, the Baker Mayfield fallout in Cleveland about the, the Browns wanting an adult at quarterback, which which is hilarious given the quarterback they did acquire, okay, Deshaun Watson. However, be that as it may, that's what <laughs> this <league's> crazy, <laughs> isn't it? That's what this is, though. Matt Ryan, they got an adult in the room now. Let me tell they you, they got an so, adult. Yep. Yes. And so, like, so I ran into Bears general manager Ryan Poles down here this week and you know just i've never met him before just introduced just did an introduction and uh, as it turns out and i think this has been out there but as it turns out he was matt ryan's roommate at boston college so of course i perked up I'm like oh okay great i'm glad that we had this chance to have this conversation well he went on to tell me that he got a call out of the blue from matt a couple of weeks ago and he was like grilling them about the colts and chris ballard and he's like give me your thoughts because remember ryan poles came from Kansas City, where Chris Ballard had worked. So he had experience with him. And let me tell you, talk about being an adult. Like Matt Ryan was doing his homework. I love them, that. As you I said, I love that. Like quarterbacks are quarterbacks, man. They just yeah, they want to know. They everything. want information, details. They want they want to ask questions and they want the real deal. You know, it's like going out to play a game. You want to look at all the 
defensive menu of the other team. What do they run? I want to know all the possible permutations. Like quarterbacks, uh, like the good ones at least, they get that. And I think that a lot of times it, it carries over to life and, and to everything in their career. So I, I think it, I don't know that that tells you anything about him as a player necessarily in terms of how he'll perform, but I think it tells you about how invested he'll be. It tells you about how uh, I think he'll relate or how, how important he'll take his role. You know, uh, this is not a check for another couple of years and he can just kind of like right off into the sunset. He might, but it's but he doesn't look at it in that way. And and I think he's going to be all in here. And I think that's very important. And and he's, he's going to be accountable. Uh, he's ready to take stuff on his shoulders. That's something that Carson Wentz, I think, could learn from, frankly. You know, um, I, I just don't think that it just feels different. You know, it feels different than Carson Wentz. Doesn't make Carson Wentz a bad guy. Let me be clear. But I think it's a different level of investment and all in and just and, and, and the way he'll carry himself, too. Yeah, that matters about a quarterback. That matters because you got 10 other guys. Looking at you, ten pairs of eyes staring at you in that huddle, and the game's on the line, and they're like, "All right, man, we're putting our trust in you." You know, it, you're, you'll go ahead and sign up for putting your trust in Matt Ryan because you've seen him do it before, right? So, I, I think that matters. I think th- I think we just learn little anecdotal things about him that I think are very promising. So, I think that's a really good anecdote about Ryan Poles. That that shows me that Ryan is invested. And he wasn't just checked out in Atlanta. And when he thought about maybe moving somewhere, it was, well, I don't want to do this quickly. I want to do this right. I want to find out the right place for me. And I'm not going to go to the Colts unless I feel like it's the right place for me. It does indicate that he's all in, that he's invested. Um, And we don't mean to sit here and just drink in the optimism of another quarterback. This is the hamster wheel we've been on as well. Right. But it, it just does feel like it fits. It just does feel like it fits. Like he's going to walk in on day one. And it's going to be like, oh, that's Matt Ryan. It's different. It feels different. He's done this for 14 years. He's a pro. And another thing I will add on a physical level, you know, we asked Frank Reich about his process. And the first thing he did was pull up throws outside the numbers the last two or three years, throws of 40 yards or more. He said he doesn't see any any diminishing skills with his arm. I've heard there's a little bit that he's lost, a little bit that he's lost. We'll be able to tell. As you would expect. Yeah, we'll be able to tell in camp. But listen, his arm's going to be better than Phillip Rivers was a couple years ago. And Rivers made that offense work. And we've talked a lot about, and this is something we heard this week, was some guys had reservations about how Carson saw the offense, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Not seeing open guys. We heard the make the layups comment. We've talked about Carson making football harder than it needs to be. I feel like you're going to get a little bit more of the opposite with Matt Ryan. He's going to throw to the open guys. He's going to get Naheem's and Naheem, Naheem Hines involved. Thank God they keep talking about getting him more involved. Um, and I don't think it's going to be as difficult. He probably won't make as many splash plays. But I think, and we've talked about this too, like Frank gets dudes open. Like he gets wide receivers and running backs like wide open. His scheme works if you run it the way he wants you to run it. I think that's going to be a seamless fit. And maybe Matt Ryan will be the quarterback that stays in Indy the way they thought Carson Wentz would for a couple of years and kind of give Frank, heaven forbid, the same quarterback two seasons in a row. Yeah, I, I think it's potential game changer. Potential. Everything is potential in March, right? Right. So right. <laughs> just to be clear. So before we 
close, I, I think it's important that we touch on like what's next, because obviously a lot of you, you know, we've talked a lot about quarterback, but there are other positions on the team. <laughs> so uh, Yannick Ngakwe is, uh, is is coming to Indy. Um, I actually, so I actually had some interaction with him this week. So one of my best friends uh, down South Florida apparently knows him. So, um, and from the gym, apparently. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, Zach, but this is kind of funny. So one of my best friends uh, works out of the gym or where the, a guy, a certain trainer trains Lots of NFL guys. Well, Yannick works out there and he says, it's like, you should see the workouts this guy does. I mean, so I don't know. Apparently he's ready. So we uh, we touched base this week and he's he's looking forward to it. So looking forward to getting to meet him. But anyhow, they have other positions on the team. And I I would say that Ballard is still Ballard. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get the sense that he's going to run out and sign a, a bunch of big dollar guys. Not that there's a ton of those left. But there's still uh, good players out there. Yeah. You mentioned the patience aspect earlier and how they were rewarded for that. He's going to apply that. He's going to continue to apply that to free agency. And he thinks that's the way to approach that. So they may yet sign some name guys, perhaps, but they're not going to rush out and overpay them. If it if the market comes to them, they'll do it. just what what did you take away from that part? And also, as you just mentioned, his sort of approach at wide receiver, he was kind of like he kind of shrugged about. Yeah, that. I, I don't, don't know. I don't agree with that. I'll just be honest. I've been I've been adamant about this. They need to add a receiver like a veteran receiver. And I think they need to pay for one. And I don't mean like 20 million dollars a year or 15 a year. But like I would go get someone who's good if you can find him for five, six, seven a year for two years. I just think you need something. You can't depend on Paris Campbell. We know that he's talented, but he can't stay on the field. And I think it's a huge gamble to, to bank on Desmond Patman making a step up and Mike Strong making a step up and Ashton Doolin sure. continuing to contribute. Maybe one of those guys does, but I just don't feel great about that group. And maybe T.Y. comes back. That's a conversation they're going to continue to have. But I think your receiving room is great if T.Y. is your number four, you know, not your number two. And T.Y. can still play, and I agree with that, and we'll see what happens. But I don't feel great about the receivers, I'll be completely honest. And I would be a little bit swayed if they had done something at tight end. And I guess they said they did. They, they re-signed Mo Alley-Cox. Maybe he has more of a, <laughs> a a role in the passing game. But I think, we've see, I think we know what Mo well, is. Well, thank God they did. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, and they think Kylan Granson can take a step up. Maybe he can. But they're banking on a lot of steps up. And that's a risky yeah. thing to do. And Matt Ryan's 36, going to be 37 in May, and you need to help him. And I know that he's got Jonathan Taylor, who's awesome, and I know he's got Michael Pittman Jr., who's awesome. But I don't like this approach at receiver. I've, I've said that. I'm going to keep saying that. They need to add more. There's good players out there. You need to help this guy. And you, you can't just become a JT Michael Pittman team. You, you just, you, you've skimped at wide receiver for years. Every year it seems to cost you, and I don't agree with this approach. Right. I, I would have to agree. I, I think that one of the things that I, I I'd see when I look at this team is, like, I mean, they have some depth questions, right, at some spots. Like, corner is not Strong. necessarily you know, bountiful with depth right now. But I also am not losing sleep over it because I think in this scheme, eh, whatever. I don't necessarily care. Clearly, they don't either, right? Because they just traded, you know, one of their better guys in the secondary in Rocky Sin. So I, I think they know that they can kind of like 
coach around that and scheme around that <clears throat> because of the system they're going to play. Okay, fine, whatever. And, and they'll probably draft a kid or get somebody after the draft and free agency, whatever. I, I think they think they can piece that together. And also, they did it while strengthening the pass rush, which is far more important, right? 100%. So I'm all in on that. that, right. However, the wide receiver spot or pass catchers in general, for me, is where I just – I. I don't accept the explanation. I just don't. Yes. I, I disagree. And I, I think that it's it's unnecessary to live so dangerously there. I don't think they have to do it. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. You know it's bad when when Zach Pascal goes and plays or goes and signs with Nick Sirianni's team for like no money, by like the way. Two million. Like Right. And I, I love Zach. I think you know it's bad when like that's like a big loss. <laughs> Let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This was sort of hinted to us this week. They think these guys are going to take a step up, mm-hmm. not in small part because of the quarterback change. I think that's, they're clearly banking on that. I think that's real. I'm not saying that Strawn's going to have thousand yard season, <laughs> but I think I think that's in their thinking. I think that's in their process right now as well with mm-hmm. a different quarterback who can see the field a little bit better, who will make quicker decisions, who will get the ball around. I mean, essentially. By the end, it was Carson just lobbing it 30 yards down the field at Paris and double coverage in Jacksonville or or Pittman. And Pittman's a stud and he can make those plays. But I think they're kind of believing that Matt Ryan will get these guys involved and they will all maybe take a step up. That's optimistic thinking, and I still think it's ripe with risk. But that's something not to overlook. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Look, I mean, I just mentioned Zach Pascal. Well, I mean, Zach Pascal thrived with, like, Philip Rivers. And right? I don't think that was an accident, you know. Uh, I think the quarterback play does impact those guys. I heard Granson's name about 17 times this week. So, like, they really think a lot of this kid. I have nothing to go on, okay? Nothing. But we'll see. I I think if he takes a big jump, that will be critical. Because I think when you lose Jack Doyle, who couldn't really run that much anymore, but I just think was a reliable receiver when you did throw to him at those rare times. And, And certainly a phenomenal blocker still, even at his advanced stage of his career but he's retired and and Moelle Cox is gonna have to take on a lot of that role that Jack that Jack performed so someone else is gonna have to be the, the tight end uh, who defenses have to pay attention to and it's gonna have to be granted unless they have some other plan so and, and I think you I just mentioned Pascal kind of taking a step forward when uh, he had that veteran quarterback and, and growing and then taking a step back. I think by no accident last year, right? So, so what, anyway, getting to the point of the quarterback upgrade, perhaps influencing the play at wide receiver, that is true. But I also think it can also be true that you should give yourself the best chance there. I, I think one veteran signing for yeah. me would change the complexion of things. Like one, it doesn't mean gonna he's going to get in the way too. of the, like, an, like you know, if you get a receiver, right. that means that's like an outside guy that's you know that's not going to be strong or Patman or whatever. One's not going to get in the way that much. Like, don't you want to feel better at night that you don't have to bank on that? Um, And again, Matt Ryan's not 25. He's not 30 anymore. Like, you need to help him. And he's not going to be able to extend the play like Carson was in some situations. He's going to get the ball out quicker. I understand that. But I just think you need to add a little bit around him. Yeah, it would make me feel better. But that's all good. I mean, but but I do think looking at it from 10,000 feet, I I think you have – a lot of reason to feel better about this team from just a few weeks ago. I mean, I think Jamerce said it, you know, <laughs> it's like from where we were to now, 
<laughs> it's night and day, man. Thank the football uh, gods. The football gods. They came they came through. And you know what? Hey, the football gods have not been good to the Colts, so maybe they were due. So uh, they haven't been good to us. I know that. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> you and I. But, but, hey, we got Palm Beach out of it, so I'm not complaining. Uh, all right. So that's it, man. We are going to wrap this up. Um, I'm going to stay in Florida for a few days because I can. So I'm here, right? Uh, Zach's going to go home and pray for golf weather. And, uh, yeah, we're. I don't know that we're going to, like, jump on here next week. Hopefully we can take a little bit of a breather. But we got the draft around the corner. So, like, it ain't. You know, we're not going to go far. So uh, we're just looking for like a quiet few days. All right. I don't think it's too much to ask. Football I think guys. you guys are looking for a quiet few days, too, just to right? breathe. I mean, Ballard. What's the I think final you, four? Or I think something, you asked you know? Ballard at one point, like, can you breathe now? And he said, yes, finally. Uh, yeah, still need to add something. We got the Captain Ahab comment, which is right, hilarious. Right. right yeah. So, yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been something else. <laughs> wow. So anyway, uh, hey, enjoy the final four. Uh, there are other things on the athletic too, by the way, and, and uh, we're not done. I mean, I've got stuff that I'm writing on uh, league topics as well. So there's always going to be coverage of the Colts and the NFL on the athletic. Uh, thank you guys for subscribing at just incredible rates. We appreciate all of you. Uh, I know Zach and I feel the same way. So thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is One Percent Better.